Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. We're in a wonderful and a very exciting season as a spiritual family, but also as the body of Christ. You know, I want to just zoom out a little bit and remind you of some of the things God's been saying to us over the past few months. Do you remember a few, a few months ago, we went through a whole series, and so many people shared on making room for God, making room for Him, allowing Him to move, allowing Him to have His way, allowing Him to find entrance, perhaps into places. And the picture or the imagery is, you know, so often there's, in our hearts, things are so cluttered. There's rooms that are still locked. And as we make room for God, as we prepare a place for Him, isn't it wonderful how we're beginning to see Him come and fill? How we're beginning to see Him lead us, and we give thanks to God for that. We're beginning to see that come to fruition. Last week, we spoke about engaging with God. We used the rugby scrum as an analogy. Uh, The old way they used to do it was crouch, touch, pause, engage. And I like that word, engage. But the way they do it these these days, simply, it's still a really good analogy. Crouch speaks of the heart position and the heart attitude. Bind, being bound up in him, and set. Set off, pressing in. The idea is pressing into God's presence, allowing him to, you know, not being satisfied with just flitting around on the surface, but pressing in for the deeper things. You know, God has so many wonderful things to share with you. Even if I can compare it to my relationship with my wife, we can talk nude sports and weather, who's picking up the kids when and where, what, where we have to be, how we have to do, and we can talk and communicate. We work together in the same place. We live together in the same place. We sleep together in the same bed, and yet there are times where we just talk about stuff without really engaging one another on a deep heart level. We actually have to be quite intentional about that. We have to set time aside away from the children and their demands, drop them off at a granny and grandpa or a yaya or a bapu, somebody, so that we can be alone and just have time to really press in, to really share hearts, to really hear what's on the other person's mind, where we are separate and away from everybody else. I mean, we can be in a public place in a restaurant, for example, but the focus is a one-on-one, deep, intimate thing. And this is where God is really calling us and His people in this time. There is a prophetic call going out to awaken, to arise. And scripturally, when God speaks about awakening, does anybody know what he's talking really about? He's talking about prayerlessness. To be awake means to be aware of what is going on around you. When you are awake, you're aware of what's happening. You know, sometimes you can be awake physically but still fast asleep. Especially us men. Hey, guys. <laughs> we can be awake, and we're watching the TV. And the wife can be having a full conversation with us. And we're absolutely unaware. I actually, um, I'll read this to you. I saw a, a, a meme this week. I'll read this to you because I just thought it's really funny. My wife just stopped and said, you weren't even listening, were you? I thought to myself, that's a strange way to start a conversation. In other words, we're there, we're present, but we're not really aware of what's going on around us. 
And spiritually, so much of God's church today is in this place. We come to a building. We come to gatherings from time to time. But are we truly aware of what is happening in the Spirit over our own lives, over our own workplaces, our own communities? Are we truly aware of what God is saying to us in this time and season so that we can cooperate with Him? You see, if we don't know what God is trying to do, we can't cooperate with Him. We can keep going around and through the same motions, doing our religious things. But there's, there's an emphasis and there's a breath of God that requires us to cooperate with Him. I know I used the analogy already of the sailing boat, but it's true. When you, when you sail and you open up your sail, and you have to get it at the right angle in order to catch the wind for it to pull you along. And even if you change direction, you can change course slightly within that same angle. Otherwise, you need to turn the boat and you need to catch the wind again. But if your sail is not orientated correctly, you're not going anywhere. And if your sail is not taut, you're not going anywhere fast. Because you need to be rightly orientated. So what this is speaking about is it's speaking about a spirit of prayerlessness, a lack of genuine engaging with God. Now, we're all really familiar with the story of Martha and Mary. Martha, I, I, I don't know about you, I certainly identify strongly with Martha. Uh, Martha is the one who was doing things. She was getting things done for God. She was serving. She was doing all the right things. But as we read the story, let's read it. Uh, Luke chapter 10 from verse 38. Now, it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So Martha invites him. She says, come inside, come to, our, come to my home. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Say distracted. Distracted. Not really aware of what was truly going on. She was distracted. With what? Doing stuff. Stuff. The necessary things. Picking up kids from school and running here and running there and doing this and doing that and putting food on the table. Why? Because guests were coming and all of this stuff's important, right? I mean, there's pressure here. You can feel that pressure. But yet she was distracted from, the tr from what was really, who was really in her midst. She wasn't paying adequate attention to who was really there. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. In other words, tell her to be caught up in the, in the stuff of the day. Tell her to also get busy with all the things I am busy with, because these things are important. But yet Jesus' response is so enlightening. He says, Martha, Martha, You are worried and troubled about many things. How many of you are worried and troubled about many things? ESCOM's not helping us, is it? <laughs> so many things in our day and age that assail our hearts and minds. But Jesus said to her, one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Mary chose, despite all the things that were going on around her, to engage with Jesus. She also knew that people were coming. She also had the same stresses and pressures that Martha, that Martha had. But she chose to sit 
I find so often we say, you know, if I just had more time, if I could just fit in more time with God. You see, we're trying to fit God into a schedule that's already full. And just like my wife, we can do many things together, and we're going around the schedule, but it's not the same. It's not the same. We, we think, oh, but I'll pray as I drive, and I, I'll pray as I do this, and I'll, it's not the same. If we are going to give God the room that He needs to engage with Him in the way that He requires so that we can catch what is on His heart, we are going to need to carve out time. That means certain things have got to go. Maybe that certain thing is sleep. Not all of it, but some of it. Maybe that certain thing is TV time. Maybe that certain thing is TikTok or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, YouTube or whatever other thing is on your phone that keeps your mind so active and engaged with everything else but Him. But I don't know if you realize that, you know, the, the, the... The scriptures, most of them end at verse 42, but the MJM extended version, I'll read that to you now. I know the Bible says we shouldn't add anything to scripture. I'm not really doing that. Just play along. One thing is needed, Mary. Uh, Mary has chosen that one thing, and that will not be taken away from her. Meanwhile, next door, there lived a woman of great wisdom and beauty. Her name was Helen. Her husband, Michael, an under-shepherd, was still fast asleep in his bed as he had been up late dealing with cantankerous sheep the night before. Helen said to her husband, Awake, for the Lord is right next door. But Michael replied, Ugh. Again, Helen said, Husband, arise, for the Lord is waiting for you. And again, Michael replied, I'm too tired right now. I'll go find him a little later. I'll go find him a little later. But when he eventually arose, he discovered that the Lord had moved on from that region. Never mind, I'll catch him next time, Michael thought to himself. But as a result of his slumber, nothing was added to him that day. And he continued to watch on as others grew in the wisdom and grace that came from the time that they had in the presence of the Lord. Now, I understand this isn't Scripture. This is my own little parable, my own little story that I've added. But it speaks volumes. It should say one thing to you that I empathize. This is my story. These are my struggles. I've had those mornings when I wake up and I know I should be spending time with the Lord. And I've gone, Ugh, I'll catch him later. I want to say to you folks, now is the time. I want to say it again. Now is the time. There may not be a later. What you are preparing for now is what is coming later. And if you do not make, if we are not making preparation of our hearts now, we are going to miss what is coming. We need to recognize and cooperate with God in the season that we are in. 
Because God is preparing His church, our local family, but His church for a great awakening, for a wondrous revival, for times of refreshing, times of restoration. Restoration of the Lordship of Jesus in His church. Where compromise is dealt with. Where sin is dealt with. Restoration of identity of the sons and the daughters of God who no longer choose to be defined by the world around them, by the people around them, but they are restored to a rightful identity as sons and daughters of the Most High God, righteous in His presence by the blood and by the name of Jesus. Restored to purpose. Not preoccupied with our own little visions and missions, but restored to the purpose that God has ordained for each and every one. To the calling, restored to the work that God has prepared beforehand that we can walk in them. Restored to a place of passionate love for Jesus and for the things of the kingdom of God. Not just a thing where we go about it day by day, but a passion that comes from deep, deep within. And if you're sitting where you are and and feeling in your heart like I am, I'm saying, God, I long to be more passionate for you. You see, when you're passionate for someone and something, you don't need to be told to pursue it. You don't need to be encouraged to pursue it. That's why in the book of Revelation, when Jesus writes to the church in Ephesus, he says, you are doing all the right things. Revelation chapter 2, there's the reference, go check it out for yourself. He says, I, you guys, are, are all the religious stuff you are doing so well. You are doing, I commend you in this, but you've lost your first love. Return to the original passion that you had. That deep desire where it wasn't about just doing the things. It was about me and being with me and engaging with me. We are in a season where God is turning the hearts of His people away from the things of this world that we may engage with and embrace the things of God which truly satisfy, which truly bring joy, which truly enable us to be aware of what's really going on around us, that we may walk and live the victorious life that Jesus came to give you and me. I'll read you a quote from Pastor Andreas. He said, Blessed are those who have eyes that are able to see, ears that hear, and a heart that understands and turn away from those things that God has prohibited towards the things that God has commanded. They will experience the glory of the Lord. Folks, this is that season of turning. It's a season of glorious repentance. And whenever I say that word, I always say that repentance has a bad rap. We always think of repentance as this heavy thing, and there can be remorse, and often there should be remorse in forgiveness because it needs to be sincere. But repentance is a wonderful gift that God gives you and I that enables us to see Him and turn to Him and turn away from that which keeps us from Him. It's a costly thing because there's things that need to be given up. There are sacrifices that need to be made. But the reward is so great, it is so compelling that it doesn't matter. It's a passion that brings us into His presence. And so here we are in this context And God says to us, Isaiah 61 and 2, Arise and shine. Why? For the glory of the Lord has come. For your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Not will, it has. And it's calling you. 
Behold, deep darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and His glory will be seen upon you. Isaiah again, chapter 52. Awake! Awake! For some of us, awake is not enough. Forgive me, Selena. This is the price you pay for sitting in the front seat. Sometimes you say, awake. How, many of you, how, does, how often does that work for your spouse? Sometimes you've got to say, awake. It was a few months ago. It was actually a few years ago. I just remember it now. I was lying. I was fast asleep. And Helen was trying to wake me up. This time it wasn't because I was snoring. This time it's because she heard a noise outside. And I wasn't waking up. And I remember her eventually shaking me. My God. And as soon as she said there was something going on outside, suddenly you wake from that deep, deep sleep into real, real alertness, real awakeness. But that's a startling thing, isn't it? And praise God, there was nobody outside. There was nothing funny going on. What it was was the joy magazines. So the joy magazines that you help yourself to generally find themselves flung over my wall at 3 in the morning and they land outside our bedroom window. That's what it was. Joy for you lot. God does not want to arouse you from your slumber with that kind of jolt. And so he's saying to you now, awake, awake, wake up. Put on strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments. These are all the things that Jesus has done for us. You know, He gives us beauty for ashes. Though our sins were as scarlet, behold, He makes us white as snow. He ta- this is covenant language, folks, where you take off the old garment that represents your strength and your life, and Jesus gives you a new garment of His righteousness. It's the mantle of God that is your calling and your destiny. And He says, put it on. O Jerusalem, the holy city, for the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. In other words, you're not going to have anything to do with that which is impure, which corrupts your heart, which defiles your conscience anymore. Go away from those things. Shake yourself from the dust. That means we've been wallowing. Arise, we have it again, and sit down. In other words, take your place of honor. Take your place, dear beloved one, seated at the right hand of God in Christ Jesus. Rise up from where you are that you may be seated in heavenly places, in your heart, in your expectation, in your thinking. Isn't this glorious language? This is prophetic call to you and I. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck. In other words, you are well able. Loose yourself. Oh, when somebody will come and help me. No, get up and loose yourself. Oh, if somebody will come and meet this need. No, get up and meet the need. Oh, captive daughter of Zion. Where the people of God's hearts had grown so cold towards him that his presence and his grace of protection had departed, and they didn't realize it, and they were overtaken by the enemy. And they were led away captive to a land that was not promised to them. 
And in their captivity still, God calls. You read the book of Hosea. What a glorious story about a woman who is betrothed, and yet still she goes and roams the streets to find satisfaction elsewhere. And yet her husband comes and seeks for her, and he says, I have paid a price for you. Come, let me make you clean and accept you once again. Folks, there is no sin that is too great to keep you from the love of God. Maybe you're carrying weight or guilt of condemnation and you hear these things and you're aware that your heart isn't where it should be. Maybe you know you've engaged with things that displease the heart of God. Don't let condemnation hold you back from that call that the righteous one still makes over your life today and says, come, be with me. Again, let's reason together. Though your sins were as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. The desire of the Lord to wash us and cleanse us from all that makes us unclean and defiles us, to bring us into His presence and into the place of His presence. Not just in His kingdom somewhere, but into the place of His presence. So that whether we're together as a group or whether it's alone in my home, in my quiet time, that I am not restricted of coming boldly to the throne of grace and mercy because the place that He delights for me is the place of His presence. You see, God is drawing near to His people, but the question remains whether we will draw near to Him. James says it this way, James 4, from verse 8, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. So is that a promise or is that a promise? If we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. But the rest of this portion is very uncomfortable. He goes on to say, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Let's pause. He's not talking to unbelievers here. He is writing this to the church that has become cold, that has become entangled with the things of the world, that has become, in their heart attitudes, irreverent towards the things of God. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded, lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. What this means is it's a realization moment where God is calling out to His people. And he says, you are so distracted like Martha, and we are so caught up in so many things. And he's saying, you know, realize what it is that you have given up in order to have that. That's sobering, isn't it? I have chosen these things that keep me so busy and occupied over the very presence of God. And that realization ought to make us question our hearts and say, Something's got to give. Something inside me needs to change. I need to return to my first love. And I need to deal with my heart. Repentance is necessary. You see, as long as our hearts remain given to other things, however good they may seem, I'm not talking just about sin. 
But as long as our hearts are given to these things, we will miss what God desires to do in the time and season we are in in our lives. We'll be like that little parable about the man named Michael who was so fast asleep he didn't realize that the very presence of God was waiting for him just a few steps from his doorway. We will be just like the lady who was so engaged with serving everybody and doing everything that she too missed out on the presence of the one who was in her very home. And yet you and I get to walk every single day knowing that the presence of God is not just with us, not just among us, but within us, in our very hearts. Jesus, walking towards the city of Jerusalem, had a heartbreaking moment in Luke chapter 19 from verse 41. As he drew near, he saw the city. and The Bible says he wept over it. This is Jerusalem. This is the promise. This is the land for the people of God, and I am their Messiah. And it said, he said, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, say, this is my day. He says, if you had known the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. In other words, you can't see them. You're oblivious to them. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus' heart broke. Because he had sent so many prophets to prepare the people. He had sent so many who said, he is coming, and this is the sign, and this is how you will recognize him. And yet when he came, nobody could. Folks, in God's love and his benevolence, he's sending his prophetic word today to do exactly the same thing. To say, make ready, make way for the Lord. Open up your hearts. Engage with Him so that you may be awake and aware and alert in your day of visitation. I want to say to you that right now in this time and season, there's no place for wallflowers. What is a wallflower? It's not a flower that grows on the wall. A wallflower is an expression. It's a colloquial term. It's a person in a dance environment. So if you can imagine a wedding... It's a person in a wedding who has no one to dance with. It's the one at the ball who sits on the side, legs crossed, watching everybody else dance because they have no one to dance with. They feel shy, they feel awkward, and they feel excluded from the party. Everyone else is dancing. They're having fun. But the wallflower sits and watches. Not engaged. Another definition, they choose to stand back rather than getting involved as they prefer to observe. They have no desire to be the center of attention. Now, maybe you feel that way, but I want to say this to you this morning. I had such a beautiful revelation as I was preparing this morning. The bride is never concerned about who is watching when she dances her first dance with her new husband. When they come on to open the dance floor, all eyes are on them. 
but she is only concerned with that man she has just married. And I want to say to you this morning, your bridegroom, Jesus Christ, is wanting to engage with you in a dance in his presence. And yet, so often we want to be like wallflowers and we'll say, okay, Jesus, you dance with them first. I'll watch. And we stay on the outside looking in. I was considering playing you our wedding video of our first dance this morning as a married couple. I watched it this morning. Cry. It's just so beautiful. I was just so touched by that analogy. In that moment, my wife and I, we got onto the dance floor to a song that in some ways described our relationship. We couldn't keep the smiles from our faces. It's a bit embarrassing and awkward, really. And all our friends were watching. All our family were there. But in that moment, it was her and it was me. As our first dance as Mr. and Mrs. Morris. And we've been dancing ever since. Don't be a wallflower. It's not time now to watch everybody else having a good time in the spirit. So what if you can't dance? So what? I'm going to depart from my notes and I'm going to share a story with you which I think you will find humorous, but it's going to bring, bring what I'm trying to communicate to you just to another place. Many years ago, I was alone in that prayer room over there. I was praising and I was worshiping God, and I became so aware of His presence. I need to take this off, otherwise I might damage it. I became so aware of His presence that I wanted to bring Him an offering, a dance offering. You can start laughing now already if you so wish. And I was reminded that David, as he led in the presence of God into Jerusalem, he stripped off his clothes and he danced with all his might, the Bible says. I kept my clothes on. But I did dance with all of my might. I was so conscious about almost every muscle in my body, every fiber, as I jumped and I twirled and I danced and I stamped and I did everything that I could do just to dance in God's presence for Him. I, by the way, I don't really enjoy dancing. This was really awkward. That's why I'm not demonstrating anything to you. I was tempted, but I won't. I was alone all by myself in the prayer room. And this was an offering that I just felt led to give to God in His presence. And as my dance came to an end, I fell to my knees and I bowed before Him. And in that moment, in the presence of God, I saw a vision. And suddenly I was in the throne room of God. And as I, I was aware, so I, I'm still got my head down in my lap. So everything I'm seeing now is in my vision. And to my left, I cannot see the wall I see pillars that are holding things up, but I cannot see a wall, and I cannot see a wall that way. This room was huge. And in front of me was a huge throne upon which sat the Lord, which sat God. And I knew that it was God. And 
in my mind I knew that I had just been dancing in this great hall in His very presence. And there was a spotlight on me. So everything else was kind of, I don't know if there was anybody else there, but as far as I was concerned, I was still alone with God in this vision. And it was as though his, his face alighted on me, and he had been watching me the whole time. And as I looked up and I looked into his face, God went. That's exactly what he did. He began to laugh at me. And his laughter was the kind of laugh to say, Michael, you were absolutely ridiculous. And I so appreciated it. (laughs) He didn't tell me my dancing was beautiful because God is not a man that he should lie. (laughs) He didn't tell me that it was this wonderful dance. It was ridiculous. It was hilarious. And I felt that it was. I knew that it was. He was mirroring my exact feeling about myself in that moment. Like a little child trying to do this amazing dance for his father that actually ends up looking ridiculous. But he laughed over me, and his laughter caused me to smile because I knew how ridiculous I had been. But in that moment, there was a connection of deep appreciation for the willingness to be ridiculous in his presence. And he communicated to me such love and affirmation on that carpet. These are the intimate moments that God longs for with you and that God longs for with me. Where everything else is just put aside for a while so that I can focus on Him. There's a dance. And the Lord is on the dance floor. And He's saying, will you come and dance with me? And you can hear the music. The music is the song of those who say, arise. It's time for you to shine on the dance floor. The music of those is of those saying, wake up, wake up. He's here. The music is the song of those who want to invite you into the dance where the bridegroom takes the lead. I can't dance. Don't worry, neither can I. But the bridegroom will show you. The bridegroom will take the lead. Do you want to dance with the Lord today? Would you just stand with me, please? Our Father God, I want to thank you today for your presence here in this place with us. I want to thank you for the time and the season that we are in. I am so grateful for your mercy that you send forth your prophetic word that we may prepare, that we may make ready, that when we come to the wedding feast, we are dressed in the garments, that we are prepared. And Lord, though we may be in a room full of people right now, I want to thank you that you only have eyes on each one of us. We can hear the music. We can can hear the breath of God. We can sense the rhythm of heaven 
calling us deeper and calling us in. Calling us into this great and wonderful dance floor. And Father, we want to respond this morning. We want to take your hand. And we want to say, lead me, Lord. I don't know where you are this morning. I, how this is being received in your heart. But I, I'm just going to give you a moment of silence now. Because I want you to respond to this call. Allow this imagery. Allow your imagination to, to, to be led by the Spirit of the Lord. But I want you to know that in this moment, the presence of God is here. And maybe you need to get up off your chair of indifference. You need to cast off those really painful shoes that you put on so that everybody else would think that you, you look nice. You need to take off the shoes of other people's opinions. And you need to take the first steps of faith to march out on that dance floor. Maybe there's your shawl and your coat of all the things you're busy with, that pockets are laden with things that you've brought because you were hoping to meet him and you wanted to give him a whole bunch of stuff. Or, or, or maybe your, your pockets have come, you come with your jacket with big pockets because you were hoping to get something from him. Maybe you just need to put the jacket aside as well so that you can just be in his presence and get onto that dance floor and take his hand and allow him to lead you. Allow him to lead you to the music. But there is such an intimate moment that God is longing for from the heart of his people where they would be willing to trust him to lead them. Revelation 19, 7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. Oh, Father God. Our hearts burn, Jesus. Our hearts burn for more of you. We determine in our hearts today that we don't want to be on the sidelines watching. Thank you that in this moment you are granting repentance. Thank you that in this moment you are allowing us to draw near into your very presence. To dance with you, Jesus. And we want to say today, Father, we trust you. Lord Jesus, we trust you. And whatever you tell us to let go of, we will put it down. We want you to be Lord. If that's your prayer, say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord. Not just my Savior, my Lord. I want to allow you to lead me. To show me what I need to deal with. And so I place my hand in yours. And I say, yes, Lord. Let's dance. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information 
Come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.